What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Apartment 113 podcast, where we talk with cool folks in the cannabis and psychedelics industry to learn about their projects and celebrate their successes. My name is Rob Sanchez, and this is episode 29. We're joined today by Neil McAllister, also known as Chef Turtle. He's the founder of Chef Turtle's Infusions. Neil is an advocate for home cannabis infusion and cooking with cannabis. He's worked previously in some of the nation's first cannabis kitchens and has some great experience to share. Visit chefturtle420.com to learn more and enjoy the show. Neil, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for jumping on. Of course, it's a pleasure. Yeah, (laughs) dude. Always good to talk about cannabis, especially good when we can start mixing it with food. I think you're the first guest we've had on the show that's taken this angle in the in the cannabis industry. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I've taken a completely different angle than most because a lot of folks want to get into the culinary side and make an edible company or just make an edible line or work in a cannabis kitchen. And I made that turn of wanting to go to the educational side of it. Actually bringing the infusions to people rather than um, designing that brand or, or that product at the end, right? Yeah. I'll let you choose what you want to put the, infu- the based infusion in, but I'll just teach you how to do it so you can make anything and everything you, your mind wants to. Man, that uh, is a, a noble pursuit for sure, man. The value of that education is... Um, is very helpful, right, for folks that that may already grow or maybe growing isn't the issue, but just preserving the product or being able to dose it correctly is is a problem. Um, and getting into making your own infusions and, and doing some cooking in the kitchen is a great way to, it seems, to measure and to kind of manage cannabis use as well. Oh, yeah. As long as you know how to properly dose your edibles... Um, and that's one of the biggest things I've noticed is a lot of people don't. But as long as you can properly dose them, you can do all your edibles on a nice budget. So you don't have to spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars every month on brand name edibles when you can do it on your own. Especially if you live, like I said, on a budget. Right. Or or outside of uh, like easy dispensary range or anything like that too, huh? Exactly. Yeah, you mentioned the importance of dosing edibles. Man, I I have a very high tolerance. I'm a regular consumer, but I have exceeded that tolerance of edibles once or twice before. And it is a it is a like a sleepy, sedated kind of effect you just can't escape, man. You just get blanketed oh, yeah. down. You do it. You're going to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I I've been uh, down a few times myself. <laughs> <laughs> just like, well, this was a it's a heavy afternoon, which means it's going to be an early night. <laughs> I'm okay with that sometimes, unless yeah. I got stuff to do. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Nothing wrong with getting a little bit of rest there. I uh, had a a group of coworkers all went out to a cabin for like a like a bonding or like a team building kind of thing for the company, which uh, basically turned out into everyone just getting stoned as hell out there. And uh, someone made a pan of brownies. Shout out to Whitey. I don't know if he, if he would be listening. But he, I don't know how much 
uh, hash he put into those brownies, but he knocked out like a team of 12 guys in their 20s for like three days. <laughs> the house was just kind of in a daze of people sort of sleeping and waking oh, up. I yeah. bet, especially depending on how many grams of hash he put into that. Oh, yeah, it could be bad, huh? <laughs> And it, with, with speaking of that, like if someone's doing a hash concept, your base uh, gauge is going to be 40 to 50 percent, sometimes 50 to 60 percent. Kind of right where, where you want to, to start. Yeah, your average, if you don't have like a percentage on the hash that you, you're getting from somewhere. Yeah. Go with a 50 percent aspect of it and then go from there. Right, right. I... Uh... And I saw that a large part of your book, um, which I have, by the way, uh, for our listeners, you can go to um, Chef Turtle's site. I think it's uh, it's Chef Turtle Four Twenty dot com. com. Awesome, man. Yeah, uh, check out the site for all things Chef Turtle, and um, look at the show notes as well. Um, I got a his book here, uh, your book from Imperius, where I met you um, maybe a year and a half ago at uh, a Phoenix conference there. It was definitely a, okay. a fun time going through, maybe a quieter conference for sure. But some of the Southwest conferences are starting to pick up speed, man. Have you been making the conference round recently? Yeah, I was out in OKC for the Imperius uh, Expo. Oh, sweet. Back in May or okay. June, no, June, the beginning of June. How's the vibe out in Oklahoma August. right now? So I mean, it was very laxed, very laid back. Um, not as big as I was expecting it to be, but they were also competing with the softball stuff that was going on as well. Uh, became one of those kind of draws for attention. But they'll be out in Phoenix, uh, February 23rd and 24th again, and I'll be, uh, one of the featured speakers. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I'll definitely try to try to swing through for that. I've got some folks in the area and maybe some things to speak about myself. (laughs) Definitely come through. Yeah, for sure, man. So the um, back to the the dosing, which you used as like your base for hash, that's really a um, a focus, I think, in the book, talking about how to to properly measure and track cannabis throughout, you know, its its lifespan while you're cooking with it. You can it's easy to lose track of that while you're taking it down to flour to tincture and and so on. Oh yeah, your times and your temperatures are extremely important because if you overcook your THC, you're going to either burn it off or you're going to transition it to the CBN. So your edibles are going to be a lot more sleepy, sedative-wise, instead of euphoric. Yeah, and that could have also been what happened with that group out there in the that co-worker group in the woods. And that's why I, I wanted to do uh, two separate recipes, one with a decarboxylation, which you'll notice with the honey recipe, Yes. And then the butter, oil, and heavy cream recipe in there, it's activation during infusion. So it's only one cooking process instead of two cooking processes. And both those recipes are, um, or I should say the products, uh, you can use them, they're versatile with either recipe. Right, so that way you can, that way you can avoid basically double cooking anything and hitting that boiling point or yeah. taking them too far. Exactly. I thought it was really interesting, too, that you calling out some of the terpene, uh, different terpene boiling points as well, and trying to be careful maybe not to not to hit those in your products or maybe 
you know, I was using some of the temperatures, just testing them on a vape, trying to hit a vape at different temps to see if I could tell any, any flavor difference. There's a lot of science in there that's kind of fun to play with from a consumer perspective. Oh yeah, those temperatures are gonna play a big key role in A, the flavor, but B, the uh, burn off or activation of those terpenes during the infusion. And if you'll notice, I think it's awesomine, has 150 or 155 degree Fahrenheit burn off. Yeah. Uh, so it's yeah. one of the lower ones. Yep. So if you're dealing with a, uh, a cannabis strain with that terpene and you want to make sure to maintain it all the way through with the activation, infusion, and all that, um, your temperatures are going to be a little bit lower than what the book says. Right. You got a tight um, window on that then. Exactly. And you can do lower temps and longer uh, longevity for cooking times and things. Uh, but with the book, it just basically breaks it down in a simplified manner for somebody who does not live in a kitchen for them to be able to easily recreate every recipe consistently and figure out how to dose it properly. Right. I definitely think it's uh, kind of that all-in-one manual. Um, being able to make just infused base ingredients and then you can take those ingredients into your own creations or into whatever you normally cook and or being able to just lean on the whole recipes in the book i think is a it's an excellent idea man i'd i'd like to try some more infused cooking i've i've really only had edibles kind of from the cannabis industry or like those really strong brownies that were on the streets of minneapolis for a while um, <laughs> so i haven't tried like a f actual meal you know i noticed you had like um, chili or barbecue or you know I've got a few in there but if you go on my culinary show on YouTube Chef Turtles Infusion Kitchen yeah. I've got 50 plus episodes on there the majority of them are recipes and then some are educational and some are fun oh that's awesome man so okay I've got proper dosing with Chef Turtle so it basically shows you how to figure out your dose with your percentages I've got definitions of infusions, so you can understand about distillate, isolate, full spectrum, and broad spectrum, the differences, and that's really important for patients to understand what they're consuming. Yeah, it can be easy to just see extracts or concentrates, and then you sort of move on, thinking they're the same thing. And in the industry, there's, there's a lot of subcategories in there. Oh, yeah. And there's different medical benefits and different things. Different edibles can be used for different attributes of what the issues that you're dealing with. Yeah, on the on the cannabis side, um, when did you first consume, or when did you start start smoking or using cannabis in your life? Was it well before the Chef Turtle days, or oh, way way before? I was <laughs> I was probably a preteen when I first tried. Uh, smoking cannabis. You might even have me beat there. I think I was 15, maybe just turned 16. I want to say I was in sixth grade, just about to graduate, so like 11, 12, somewhere what? around there. I imagine that was um, quite a day, man. Reeling. That, that <laughs> first high can be a little crazy. <laughs> it was interesting. <laughs> I, I don't remember much. Uh, the main thing I remembered was thinking it was so cool my buddy could roll a joint in a dollar bill. Nice. Hey. <laughs> yeah, the uh, those first times are uh, 
something else, man, before the industry. Like if you came up in the underground days, man, folks were using dollars, Bible paper. Um, there was a lot of homemade solutions to really get the job done, right? Yeah, they used everything <laughs> to roll up. It was funny. Yeah, I think we had a cord apple pipe for a little while. Um, tried all the things there on the home implements. <laughs> I've used a lot of different fruits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It works out well for that. Hopefully that's not lost on the industry now that it's legalizing. People's. No, there's a lot of people that are making actually glass pieces of those fruits to Ooh. replicate it so you don't have to just waste a fruit in a sense. <laughs> yeah. But there's other videos that's of cool. people doing the actual MacGyver style with it. With Coring it out, yeah. <laughs> I'll still do an apple or a pear or a peach or something that I have to. Right. Right. Yeah. Get some nice flavor and terpenes pulling the smoke through that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember one of the first times I was smoking, I um, was like, le- we were like leaning against a wall, we were, like smoking a joint, maybe the second or third one. I was singing some kind of dumb song in my head. I don't know why. And uh, my friend looks over me and he's just like, why are you singing that? And I realized I was singing it out loud. Um, <laughs> just I had not, not even realized. That was kind of the moment I think I, I discovered it. I miss those days. <laughs> yeah, you don't really get like that blasted away unless you put a significant tea break on things or really cut, um, cut use and moderate, I think. It's hard. Yeah, I have <laughs> to go through probably a couple weeks to detox the system. Pretty, yeah. The tolerance to be able to maybe get there. Right, but there's something about those first ones that are pretty unique, though. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So um, using cannabis then uh, for a while, how about cooking with it or actually infusing with it? What led to your interest there or kind of your specialty there as it is now? So I started in the culinary world in 19, and I started putting cannabis into brownie mixes and cake mixes uh, roughly 14 or 15 because I grew up baking and cooking with my grandma and my mom uh, since I was a kid so culinary was always like instilled in me knowing how to cook and do all that and when I started smoking it I figured well if we can smoke it we can eat it and it works (laughs) Um, and then use those skills too man I think that um, skills in the kitchen and you know being able to whip things up and and cook well is like still underrated so valuable I just wish I would have realized how little cannabis I needed back in the day to make a good edible that was efficient instead of just knocking people out. So you made some of those uh, those day-enders as well. I used to put an ounce into my butter and then make two batches of brownies. And it would just, yeah, it was stupid. I, my, what was it, 240 milligrams roughly per brownie per brownie yeah dude those will set you down man but i didn't realize that's what i was doing (laughs) wow and figuring it out in hindsight thinking about who who you sold them to like oh man yeah be be careful where you eat those i just understanding what i used to do and being able to go back and go that's why it worked that way okay now i know (laughs) yeah what's a it compared to that then what's a normal like dosage for you, like for an evening or an afternoon? Uh, for me personally, because again, everybody's endocannabinoid system is different. 
my gauge is between 20 to 50 milligrams if I have to be productive, I have to go to work, I have to, you know, be doing stuff out in the public. That would yeah. be my range to take care of my pain and things like that because I've had two knee surgeries and a couple things. Okay. So. Yeah. Oh, man. I saw that the double knee surgery, that's that's brutal on that front. Um, anything to just help with some of the daily pain and things like that. It's awesome that cannabis can help step in there and, and manage. Oh, I was told I would never do backpacking trips again, hiking, skateboarding, running, things like that. Uh, because of cannabis, I've done a 60-mile round-trip backpacking trip. I've done a couple 12-mile <laughs> round trips. Um, so I still cliff jump. I still do a lot of things that I always wanted to do. That's um, great. After man. I was told I was never going to do it again after my surgeries. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Some of those backpacking trips sound intense too for, for coming out of office surgeries. That reminds it took me a few of years before I actually started doing them again, but got to work uh, up to it. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, what was it? I moved to Colorado and then when I moved back, so I had a good, five years of solid recovery and strength training for my legs and knees before I tested it out. Kind of actually go the distance on it. Yeah. yeah. I've, I really like to hike and, and get out to the nature here around Vegas and kind of everywhere I've lived before. I haven't gotten into properly backpacking though, you know, really carrying all the gear with you. Uh, that's the next level, I think. What's been it's, intimidating is that I have to buy new gear. Like my regular car camping stuff is too heavy. Oh yeah, I'm kind of dragging my feet about that. <laughs> Be a minimalist on it. There you Take go. Only what you really need, like, uh, and look at your weather areas too. So if you know it's not gonna rain or anything, and you're okay with sleeping on the ground, you don't need a tent. Actually, cut cut weight wherever you can. Yeah, huh? yeah, and that's a good way to think about any it. Any way you can, because you're gonna need every little piece that you bring with you. Yeah, yeah, man. That's a, I gotta try it out. Try it out sometime, or find a beginner backpack. I've been using Don't a, lose a your rucksack device. I did that on that trip. Uh, what was that? I said, "Don't lose your filtration device for water," because I did that on Ooh. that trip. Oh and man, we were lucky enough to find a pot, and we were able to boil our water and uh, filter it with uh, through a water bottle with tampons. Oh wow! Yeah, jeez, wow. man. So that. How, how far into the trip did that happen? Um, I don't know. I think we were two miles from the campsite when I lost it. So we were we were done for for the day. Just wanted to get there and didn't realize it until we got to camp. Uh, we had enough water to get us through to the next morning. Um, yeah. And then it was like, well, you better find something. <laughs> You're on mute. Oh, yeah. There's so much to see out in the southwest with large parts of the state, um, you know, just open to desert and mountains, man. I love that getting out into the mountains here in Vegas, you know, being able to smoke a little bit and then just be in the middle of nowhere quickly, kind of walking in the desert and, and in all the scenery is unreal. Right. It's the way it changes, too, from just straight desert to actual foresty in certain spots out here. Yeah, you are much luckier in that regard, I think. Um, the Nevada sandscape that I'm living in, you've got to go. <laughs> you've got to go to the mountains to find trees. How is the Arizona cannabis <laughs> industry at this point um, compared to other industries you've seen or other kind of regional markets that you've been traveling around to? 
Uh, I'd say probably the biggest difference between most other places that I've noticed is Arizona. For a small business owner, it's very tough. They have a vertically, vertically integrated licensing system. So you have to have it all under the same roof. Pretty much. So if right. you can't afford your dispo license, which is roughly five to seven million dollars, um, you're not really going to break into the industry unless you're going underneath somebody's licenses. Kind of have to collab or or pool together with another license owner. And there is something that just dropped for like a sub license or something for small businesses, micro businesses. Okay, um, that's yeah. a little more price efficient, but it's still kind of up there. It's good to see some of the states try to do micro business uh, approaches. Um, it's and it's unfortunate that you know even you're saying it's good, but it's still up there because that's what I found even on the Missouri micro license lottery that's happening now. It's it's reasonable application fee, but the problem is that the bigger companies are just paying more people to apply. So they're just applying more times. Um, yeah. So it's, it's not really a micro business lottery if you can just, you know, pay, pay all your family members or all your employees to also apply so that if they win, then you get the license too. Exactly. It gets hard on the... Um, on the business side, man, yeah, I'd, I'd really like to turn Apartment 113 into a cannabis business eventually, but the markets are all um, bumpy or, yeah, extremely steep to get into. Like, Vegas is the same way as Arizona. Um, not with the full vertical. I believe in Vegas you can have some different licensing, but yeah, it is the same way with the capital. you got to okay. come in with a wallet, you know. <laughs> That's what I've heard, too, from a couple friends of mine out there that do event planning and things. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. And they're um, kind of under very strict testing um, regulations here in Nevada. How is the lab testing and things like that in Arizona? Have you had to run into any lab test issues, you know, consulting or, or cooking or working with folks? Funny. Uh, well, for myself, I actually, when I started the educational process, when I left the dispo I was at, um, I took all my stuff to get tested just to make sure my methods were correct. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, just, just to see what the... myself in a sense. <laughs> right, kind of check your work. <laughs> oh, yeah, you have to, especially if I'm going to be educating patients. Um, and their testing is a little pricey on things, depending on where you go. But even as a patient, you can still bring your products in to get tested. So like a home grower could get his cannabis tested so he knows what it's uh, testing at for his own smoke. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's the future right there. It's hard to even imagine that you could do that um, compared to the legacy days where home growers would be like, you know, not admitting that they were the home grower versus taking it in to get it tested and, and see what percentage or kind of how right. microbiologicals are testing. It's crazy how far we've come with it. Went from buying weed, car to car, hand to hand deals, <laughs> yes, parking sir. lots and stuff. <laughs> Right. Looking over your shoulder, and now it's you walk in, show your ID, and here, take my money. I want this. <laughs> yeah, and it, much, much better. But still, there's probably some elements that have been lost in the transition to to big market, big industry. I think the well, because in my eyes, because I'm a, I'm all about the patient. I'm all about caring for the patient, treating it as a medicine. And don't get me wrong, have your fun with it. We all 
not all of us, but a lot of people like to drink a beer to relax and not necessarily medicate, but just to cool off. Others right. like to smoke weed just to cool off, not necessarily to be a medicated aspect. They just want to relax. But in my head, it's still a form of medicating. You're relaxing, you're loosening up. So I'm really big on the patient aspect, being there for the patient. Um, and a lot of the big companies, because of rec going into play, uh, money's the bigger issue. Money's it's not necessarily about therapeutic use. It's just about, hey, use more, faster, yeah. and, and harder. How can we flip? How fast can we grow this crop out? How fast can we push it to flower instead of letting it do its thing? Right. Yeah. The whole, the picture around kind of therapeutic use is very hard for the industry at this point. You know, moderation is like against their business practices in some, in some regards. Well, and there's no competition in Arizona. Um, if you're already oh. established, you're there. Otherwise, and that's what it's going to be right now. So the only actual competition would be the patient, the home grower. If uh, you're growing your own medicine, you don't have to go to the dispo as much. You're not. I'm not saying people sell it or anything. I'm just saying you grow it for yourself. But you don't have to rely on that so you kind don't have of infrastructure. To rely on anybody else yeah. for doing that. And if more patients did it, that would be the turning point for price drop out here and a better quality from all around. Yeah, just because the uh, patients as a whole then could be producing and providing, you know, better quality medicine for themselves or for, you know, anyone that they're caretaking for. Exactly. And actually force businesses then to um, kind of up their game, right? Or really bring something to the table that can um, uh, battle that or, or win in the, in the arena. For a good price match as well. True, because that's the other one is having to pay um, at, a, at a wild premium with local taxes or state taxes versus home grow with, you know, yielding a pound or so off of a massive plant or two is a, a, a much different price. Oh, yeah. Di- different yeah. process, too, of course. The diligence growing takes and kind of the patience there is different than the immediate gratification you get just buying at the dispensary. But I mean, it's it's doable. I've been uh, I've been writing some cultivation guides for home growers as well, and um, trying to share on that education front. I I really agree with you, man, on the on home grow options and on you know bringing patients up to speed and allowing them to just grow their medicine or have it the same way that everyone has tomatoes, as Ed Rosenthal calls it, the tomato model. And just yeah. saying, you know, hey, man, you can. You can grow a few of these if you want to, uh, or you or you don't. It's no big deal. We don't have to track it so intensely, but I think we're still making like kind of baby steps towards that progress. And most medical markets have it figured out with the caretaker, or even now many markets are having good home grow laws. But I don't know how much really the communities are embracing the home grow laws versus just going to the dispensary. What do you think? I think. It's kind of a 50-50 aspect, and I look at it from my perspective just because I'm, I'm growing myself. I have a couple plants that I grow, and I, wanna, I wanted to learn, so I've been doing it for two years now since everything's been in play. Nice. But I've noticed the majority of people, if they feel they don't have the space, they're not, they don't even want to try. Um, and being right. able to show folks, you can do a small home grow just to learn 
you know, a two by, uh, well, let's see, a two by two by four foot. Tent. Oh, yeah, the little tents. Yeah, yeah, you could do something small in there in a little corner. You could get just a little bit bigger, things like that, just to have a little fun with and learn how to do it. Right, especially if the state allows that level, huh? Yeah, if you're allowed six plants, why not grow one plant? See how you do. I <laughs> have yeah. that green thumb. Even even with a 50%, you know, confidence rate on there. I mean, it's called weed for a reason. It's going to thrive or try to thrive. Oh, um, yeah. It's it's harder to perfect it, you know. It's not the easiest thing to make high quality or like craft cannabis, but it's also hard to kill it or hard to really mess that up um, from an amateur's perspective. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've only been doing it on my own in this kind of a market now for two years, and I've messed up so many things. People need to not beat themselves up when they mess something up just because it's going to happen. Yeah, just kind of move forward, right? Or take it as a learning experience and, uh, you know, Don't. try again. Yeah, learn what did you do wrong, what did you do right? Okay, now we move to the next thing. I know some expert growers, cultivators that are in different grows that still mess up at their own home grow once in a while. It's not just a hundred percent constantly because you've been doing it for you know X Y Z. Yeah, I mean we all make mistakes. It could be just a dumb mistake, but we all make them, and don't beat yourself up over it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, on the on the home grow side, I've got a probably enough space for like a two by two tent in the in the place I'm in now. I'm hoping to work that out this fall. But having trouble with travel, then having to be here for the for the ladies and giving them water is. It's stressful, uh, so I gotta gotta work that out. Setting up a little uh, timer system with a water pump. Yeah, like a kind of in a small barrel or something to to Doing give them a with just a few days. For them. Yeah, got to get creative. I think. <laughs> Pull a MacGyver. I know a lot of cultivators, and they've, yeah. they've given me a lot of tips on things. I shouldn't use that as my excuse. I need to get the seeds going. I really want to get uh, um, some plants going of a strain called Ultra Sonia. I think it's okay. from Grindhouse Seeds. And it's um, a UK cheese and tang tang cross. That's just real funky and kind of cherry smell. Oh, word! Yeah, it's um, it's one I've not seen in the in the industry since I was in Denver as well. Um, I cultivated in Denver, and I think it was two thousand maybe thirteen through fifteen or twelve through fourteen there. Um, and we had Ultrasonia as one of our strains, and man, it was beautiful. But because of that drive for high THC, we kind of lost that um, that cultivar in the market because it was testing on a high day at like sixteen percent. So okay. it sort of got beat out by you know like Death Star, OG Kushes, some of the Kims, and just things that are bringing the heat. Right. So on the uh, uh, on the infusion side, as you you know as you help people um, manage their their flower or you know turn it into to quality in the kitchen um did you already know about all of these uh, options like sugar and flour or honey infusion or um you know did your knowledge come from trial and error or kind of from any mentors or uh, you know resources that you use to kind of learn about about cooking with cannabis so while i was at at that point in time the only thc infusion cafe in the nation um, I was doing some home experiments, watching YouTube videos so I could figure out how many different types of infusions there actually was for base ingredients. Uh, yeah. Um, 
And with the YouTube thing, I found five, four or five different sugar infusions. And I tried all five, and all five had one thing wrong with it. Um, and nine times out of ten, three out of the... F no, four out of the five of them, you would uh, caramelize your sugar by the end. Oh. Just due to the temperatures yeah. and things. Um, and then the other one, along with a couple others, they weren't activating anything the way they were doing it. It actually wasn't hot enough. Well, they, hot weren't enough, long enough. they weren't cooking it. They were just doing a basic green dragon extraction. And uh, not I see. cooking anything. So you're just, you're not I really see. activating anything. <laughs> just, granted, it will give you benefits, even if it's not activated. So like example, THCA, you won't get the euphoria, the psychotropic effects, but you'll still get mild pain relief. You'll still get um, a little oh, bit of appetite and things like that. So you'll still get certain yeah. parts of the benefits. You just won't get the psychedelic aspect of it. So for some folks who may be newer to the um, effects of uh, like a stronger cannabis high, um, trying edibles like that, maybe a, a, like a, a dip in the water or kind of a stepping stone. Oh, yeah. Well, with if you're doing, dealing with uh, any kind of psychotropic um, for your like your Delta 9, or whatever, I always recommend um, microdose. Start small. Low and slow. Add an edible here or there. You know, you don't necessarily have to start off at one milligram or two milligrams. Um, five, ten, you can go up that kind of a rate. Just figure out, before you get too heavy into it, figure out where your good base is first. So that way, once you go over it, you already know where you go. you should be back down. Right, right. No, you know when you need to be closer to the closer to a couch. <laughs> yeah, and for everybody watching, if you do get too high, you eat an edible that's just too much for you. Take twenty-five to fifty milligrams of a CBD tincture, um, and that'll help level you out and bring you down. So you just kind of change that ratio a little bit. It'll bring your endocannabinoid system to a homeostasis. It'll regulate your CB1 and CB2 receptors for absorption and everything. So that way, um, it's not just doing a full overload if you're eating a distillate edible. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's good advice there. And I've also heard that um, TH, THCV um, can like help to counterbalance some of that as well, but maybe is not as easy to find. And then the other thing I've heard recommended is, I mean, besides just going outside, you know, sometimes a change of the environment can can help, but also biting into a peppercorn. Yep, I was just going to say, bite into like, a couple peppercorns. It sounds awful, doesn't it? But like if you're if you're kind of if your mind's kind of spinning or you're not really um enjoying it, that that sharp punch of the peppercorns will like that will shatter you. Will just straight hit you and bring you down. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of a alert really quickly. <laughs> the emergency mode, yeah. <laughs> so the the Arizona market is very unique with those infused cafes. Can you explain how um, how those work uh, for so folks that, that aren't one in the state? Is inside of a dispensary. It's a separate company owned by the company. Um, and, and you can order you can pizzas. You can get burgers. You can get French fries. Tater tots, cheese fries, tacos, pastas. Um, I co-wrote that hotline menu and recipe. 
Apartment one thirteen needs to make a field trip to Arizona for a, a meal or two. <laughs> but um, the catch is, you're legally you order it there, and then you have to wait till you get home to consume. Okay, no no street pizzas. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for cannabis consumption, it's either behind closed doors. You you can't really do it in a public area. Um, you have to do it at private venues. You can do it in the smoking section of different venues and places as long as the establishment allows it. Okay. Okay. So there's still some, uh, it's getting easier to, to buy it perhaps. And it's cool that you can go and, and, and get these infused products, but it's still a little, a little weird having to consume it or go home now to your kitchen. (laughs) Right. Yes. And so so you helped to make some of that menu you said. Yeah. I co-wrote the hotline menu and recipes back in 2020. Oh, wow. Uh, when I was working for them. Cool. So then the, um, were you adding the infusion then based on the, the order? Like I order a pizza and I say I want a gram of this or oh, like, so I guess how do, I, how do they order do, uh, it? You would order your pizza and your milligram and they do it oh, in different shit. milligrams. Great. And all the yeah. butter or oil aspects that we would use for the base infusion to infuse everything with is already pre-measured and pre-dosed. So we would have our containers of our 25 milligram butters and our oils, our container of our 50s, 75s, 150s. Okay, yeah. interesting. Yeah, just having the whole the whole range of them so that despite the order, you can grab like that tablespoon of butter or... Exactly. Interesting, yeah. Wow, dude, I really hope to see that model replicated in other markets. Do you, is there anything that you would, that you think should change about that that business model? If, like, let's say New Mexico was going to add infused food cafes, or Nevada was after working in them, what do you think? For dosing wise and being able to implement that into all your recipes for different doses dosing, I think that is a phenomenal model to do. Um, when you're doing other aspects, if you were infusing heavy creams and things, you would have to keep it in the freezer or the fridge after infusion to long for the longevity of life. Um, but that's so a great way to do it. Um, sugar, but you would have to get it tested just to make sure. I mean, we they they get their butters and their oils tested before it goes on just to make sure all of our math was correct. I see. And then once yeah. it comes back, that's when we start using that batch. Oh man, I can't uh, imagine being turned loose to the kitchen just saying, uh, you know, you can make anything you want here with this infused butter. Like, oh man, what's the butteriest dish I can think of? Maybe just a corn on the cob, like slathered in, in butter. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe some garlic toast. Yeah, right. Just layered <laughs> in butter, just oh. a grilled cheese or something. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. No, I can't. Um, I really want to try that. Um, I'll be using the book for sure to. to to do some infusions here at the house, and as soon as I get a harvest on that on that little grow, um, what what's the yeah. next steps for Chef Turtle this year, man? Are you making some more trips or <laughs> working on anything else for the um, any new projects for the YouTube channel? Uh, so this, I've got a couple new things coming out for the YouTube channel. I'm waiting on my f- uh, what is it? The outro from my last video that I just filmed up to Fossil Creek. Just a fun one. Let's take a trip to Fossil Creek. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. Just to add some extra content. But I did, uh, what was it, about a month ago, maybe a little less, I opened up my shop for merchandise. 
So the chefturtle420.com, you can actually find my shop in for the merchandise that I have on hand. Folks can get their swag. Awesome, man. Uh, let's see, what else? Is... I don't have anything else out of state for this year that I know about um, yet. Uh, we'll see what happens if anything else comes into fruition. i got to make a few phone calls. Uh, most everything I'm doing is going to be in-state. I've got Earl Camp coming up in September, so I'll be camping uh, for a nice stoner event. It's one of the bigger weed events out here. Yeah, I've heard about that in Arizona. Um, sounds like an awesome time, man. Just a whole weekend, like, camping games kind of Oh, event. yeah. <laughs> Having a good old time, smoking, relaxing. You're That's not true. really bound to work at that point. You're just there to enjoy yourself, hang out, and... Hang out in nature with your friends. Yeah, man. Right. As intended. <laughs> um, and then other than that, I've got a non-profit event. They're doing a little like mini rave aspect on this weekend that I'll be doing a 25-minute speech at about um, definitions, terpene breakdowns, and proper dosing. Okay. Oh, man. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, looking forward to see what what you're churning out over there at uh, chefturtle420.com, and I'll I'll swing by the the swag as well and see what's available. And but, then I did officially get my workshop video up uploaded on my Patreon account on Chef Turtle 420 on Patreon. Okay, cool, man. So on the um, li- viewers can subscribe to the Patreon for a little extra little extra Chef Turtle goodness. Yeah, it's literally three dollars a month. I made it as low as I could because I'm on a I'm a guy about the patient, and then it was like, oh, I gotta pay. I have to charge people. Wait, what? Oh, sh- what's the lowest it goes? It wouldn't let me do a dollar. It made me do three. So I'm like, cool, three it is. Nice man. So that that's ongoing as well. Then, um, or did that just get started? That just got started again about a month, maybe a month and a half ago when the shop went up. Oh, cool. Nice, man. Sounds sounds like good good things around the corner for Chef Turtle, and I hope we can see your infusions and um, you know, like learn more about how it's helping these patients and kind of uh, see the joy there over the months as, as you go, man. And, and I hope to try some of these these recipes soon and um, leave my reviews and give you some feedback there too. Yeah, please do. Let me know if you have any questions on anything in the book because that's what I'm here for. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you, Neil. Appreciate you coming on the show. Of course, thank you for having me come out, brother. Thank you for listening to the Apartment 113 podcast. For more information about the show, along with our services and courses, visit apt113.com. We offer cannabis software product management, cannabis education courses, and freelance writing. With over a decade of experience in the cannabis industry, Apartment 113 is here to help.